he's referred to as the man in the back of the room and introduced as the voice of God. He's told U.S. presidents where to sit, given Tony and Grammy award-winning celebrities direction, and lectured scads of students. But as he likes to point out, the event entertainment expert you don't know, you don't know, Anthony Bellata. And Bellatified. Hi, kids. Welcome to another episode of Bellotified, the one and only podcast about events, entertainment, and engagement. I'm Anthony Bellotta. I'm here, as I am every week, with my <laughs> one and only Alex Apostolides. I got to say, after all this time, I'm glad I'm still your one and only. I'm you, still the one, baby. You are still the one. Uh, right? <laughs> funny i was thinking about you this morning too it's 74 episodes plus we've done some other episodes and it seems like it should be more than that because we started this in october of 20 it's almost been two years but and we've been really really consistent uh but it is 74 74 episodes it's a lot yeah. but not that much but a lot a lot but not so much right it's yeah. like a million it's like a million today it's a lot but it isn't it's like when when you have a day and and sometimes i'll just say you know what it's been a year today so just bear with me right i think that's sort of what most of us are going through in general is that the day feels packed like a month Mm -hmm. or a year as you say uh it's they're just very active and it's you know you wake up bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and you go to bed exhausted. I wish I woke up bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, but I just don't sleep like normal people. But I yeah. did tell one of my clients a couple of weeks ago, cause I just, I was human and I thought I made a mistake and realized I didn't. But the thing I didn't think I made the mistake on was the thing I actually made the mistake on. So I finally just emailed her back and I said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Athena. I need to put Alex in a big old timeout right now stand by i'll be better tomorrow so she she just emailed me back with a bunch of laughy faces but <laughs> well you know we all have limits uh, we all have limited capacity and uh people are coming back to the world of events and uh in general people are even though we still have lingering uh covid cases and and also growing covid cases people are really anxious to get back at it. And so there is a lot of activity and uh, it's easy to make mistakes when you don't have the time and the energy to, you know, really set it in your head, what it is you have to do and why and, and reason it out. And often in this world that we're in, we're thinking, we're forced to think about things that could happen three, six, nine months, a year later, uh, you know, in order to hedge our bets or in order to, you know, make sure that things unfold properly when that time does come. Uh, so it's a lot of work, you know, mm-hmm. it's hard, it's hard to even know what you're going to be doing for dinner, let alone, you know, what somebody's going to need in three weeks, but Damn. that's just the way it is. Yeah. Dinner. Yeah, I know. Right. Right. Well, I would like to say before we bring on our guest, I'm very excited for our guest today. She is such a whiz. 
But before we bring her on, um, we've had a pretty busy week here at Bellotta, and I would just like to sort of quickly um, talk about some of the highlights because they, it was a really fantastic week. And I can only speak for where I was because uh, D'Angelo, too, was out on the road with two of his Drag Me shows, uh, one in San Francisco and one in Chicago. We talked about this with him on our podcast last week. Uh, those two shows have happened. San Francisco turned out a 350 person crowd. It was wow. Amazing. The Weston St. Francis did a phenomenal job marketing that show. They got a trolley car to stop. I think it was right in front of the hotel and got six of the uh, artists, the drag artists to uh, pose for a photo. And uh, it looked beautiful, the pictures that I saw, some of the video that I saw. They also, you know, when we partner on these shows, we partner with the hotels and they use their in-house production companies. So it's always going to be subject to what they have in-house and, you know, what they're willing to spend. And uh, although we want to work few, uh, through a few of those issues, the lighting in San Francisco was really spot on. It was beautifully done. Uh, they used LED to to light the rainbow around the room. Oh, and so cool. It was, and it, they didn't skimp on the uh, instruments either. They used enough to make it full. Uh, so there was no space in between the colors. It was really gorgeous. Uh, and uh, Chicago was a great show too. Our friend Audrey Gordon was there and I saw oh. some pictures, yes. She's looking mighty fine these days. And she had a hoot of a time, it looks like, with Good. some of the drag artists. Yeah. And uh, it was really nice. She called me to tell me that she was going, but she couldn't get anybody to go with her. And I think she felt a little bad about that. You know, what can you do? It's you do what you can do. She still went, God bless her. She went on her own and had a killer of a time. And, you know, she knows Wayne, our client. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. She knows him, too, from Chicago. Okay. So, uh, so she got to see both D'Angelo and Wayne there, and that show was fun too. We did. Uh, I was lucky enough to work with House of Mercy. They were on this broadcast last year around this time, I want to say. Mm -hmm. Maybe it was July. We had them on. Tracy Fuller with Innovative Events and Megan Mildenberger with uh, House of Mercy, Mercy One. And House of Mercy is a nonprofit in Des Moines, and they serve a population uh, that has substance abuse issues, uh, alcohol abuse issues, mothers and children primarily. Uh, they support them, wraparound services uh, for them. Their goal uh, at their game show gala, and you may remember we talked about this last year we did the game show gala virtually with them in 2021 and we're lucky enough to help them by providing a knockoff of a game that they could play they had been doing a family feud style game and they wanted to try something different and we came up with something and it worked so well virtually and was so much fun that uh she invited us to go to Des Moines because they were live this year. So that's where I was with the House of Mercy, Mercy One, and our friend Tracy from Innovative Events, and, and of course with Megan from, from House of Mercy. They raised $389,000. Oh my gosh. That's fantastic. Congratulations. They, yeah, right. Uh, their goal was 375 and uh, yeah, they surpassed their goal. And what a great night it was. So much fun. And, you know, it's kind of interesting. Tracy, Tracy says, 
You know, I don't know what it is about the show, but we never start on time. But we always end early. And lo and behold, we didn't start on time, but we went early. We finished early. Uh, it flows so beautifully. And although they really only give people a very short amount of time without a program to talk, it's, it's so quick. It flows so quickly. It doesn't hurt. And then you get to the game show and then it just becomes even lighter and more fun. And that becomes the, you know, the climax of the evening. And uh, it was a hoot. I, I, I can't really say anything more than it is a real hoot. You don't know what's going to happen. And what they do, this is an interesting concept. We did talk about it last year, but just to remind our listeners, their, their, their concept is so interesting. So they get people to captain teams way in advance of the gala. And those teams become responsible for their fundraising, having a fundraising goal. And uh, they normally, at least at this point, they have four teams that they find, they identify, and the teams have six to seven uh, team members on them. And those people go out and fundraise. When they come to the event, they've already got a little uh, pocket of you know, contributions that they've already collected. And then throughout the, the night, they're vying for more money as they play this game. And ultimately the game points mean nothing. It's about how much money they raise. And they have, they use constant, uh, not constant contact, but, um, oh goodness, I can't remember who they use. Greater giving, that's who it is. Mm -hmm. So they're constantly updating their, their fundraising throughout the evening and every, once in a while throughout the game, we'd, we'd hear a ding, ding, ding. We'd play a ding, ding, ding. And we'd bring up a slide with the new counts, the new totals. And boy, were people giving. Because I want to say that between the four teams, we started the evening under $100,000, just what those four teams had raised on their own. So from a fundraising perspective, wow. Because they, they're coming into the event with already a little bit of a nest egg, right? And that's really the way to do this. You have to set all those pins up in advance. So they're doing that. Then at the event, they're really hyping it, right? So I believe it was about 140 or 150 that those four teams ended up uh, uh, contributing between them at the end of the evening. So during the evening, they raised about another 50, maybe even $60,000 just the game play wow and then there were all these other ways to to give money to sponsor and uh and you know they're in des moines and i i don't i don't know that many people realize what kind of businesses are uh located in des moines, des moines and and actually are, are headquartered in des moines uh and that would be financial businesses and insurance businesses and um those businesses tend to be very community oriented. So they're not, I don't know how hard it is to get them to sponsor, but they had some really remarkable sponsors like Principal, like Wells Fargo, uh, like Hy-Vee, which is their supermarket chain. Uh, they, do, they do really well in their sponsorship. But the night is a hoot. And they have two local celebrities, two news people that, that uh, have a bit of a banter on stage and play with each other who emcee the entire evening. And that also helps because they're recognizable, they're funny, they're great, uh, you know, quick on their feet, um, 
very easy to work with. And it also helps the evening go, go extremely well because without that element, it could all feel flat, you know, it could all fall flat. Uh, so then quickly, because I know Heather's waiting, we, I went on to LA, lots of flight cancellations this weekend. We were impacted by those. I was canceled. Some of our artists were canceled, but I went on to LA and on Saturday we produced the Ross Matthews straight talk with Ross podcast at the low Santa Monica. Uh, and it was, it's always a pleasure working with Ross Matthews. Mm -hmm. That's a, that's a relationship that D'Angelo has uh, nurtured and developed. And uh, he booked Ross's, uh, he, this is the third time that we, we've produced the, the show. Uh, and this was probably the best one, I think I want to say. Uh, but it's such a delight, something that D'Angelo brought to us. And we got to work with Ross Matthews. And those of you who may not know who he is, uh, he was uh, Jay Leno's sidekick for a while and then uh, became a television personality and now is a very frequent judge on RuPaul's Drag Race and has been for a number of years and is also uh, Drew Barrymore's uh, sidekick on her talk show. And I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's on. In fact, I saw his face this morning. Uh, and uh, he's been on for about uh, over a year, I want to say. It's, it's been over a year, maybe even two. Uh, and that's how my mother, my, my mother knows Ross is through that show. <laughs> and it's the perfect, you know, I don't know Drew Barrymore, but from what I hear about her, I can understand why Ross is her second. Because, uh, oh, they're renewed for two more seasons. That's great. Oh, awesome. uh, Drew that's great because I believe Kerry, Kelly Clarkson was just canceled so that's good news for Drew um, but but nonetheless uh, where was I what was I talking about we got a little message in there oh I know why they're I know why they they they're so compatible uh, if, if she's anything like people say she is and that is he is so authentic and so wonderful with people mm -hmm and so funny and so sincere and so gregarious and so warm it's it it's really really wonderful to work with the man and everything that he is on stage he is off stage mm -hmm. he is i i i can't i can't tell you how happy that makes me because for me that's the sign of a true professional absolutely you can be as talented as you want, but if you don't know how to treat people with respect, then as far as I'm concerned, you, you're not worth working with. And that's what makes, that's what makes Ross and Adon and their team uh, such a joy to work with. And, and let, me, let me tell you that they're not only worried about how their performance is, but they want to make sure that the purchaser, the sponsors, that everyone is happy. And that everyone is getting what they signed up for. And that doesn't end once the show starts. They're still working it. And, you know, we're producers. We know when the show starts, that's when our work starts. We can't just sit back and pretend, oh, we're watching a show. We have to look for things that might go wrong and see things and be aware. And, and, and that's exactly what Ross did yesterday when we were in our brunch, the uh, his his uh, Ross Matthews Dragtastic Bubbly Brunch, uh, he 
spends a lot of time on stage. And when he's not on stage, he's talking with the lighting man. He's talking with the A1. He's talking with the DJ. He's making sure things are going to flow the way that he envisions them flowing. And he doesn't leave it to chance. And it's just really delightful to see somebody play in our space like that. Because again, it, it's, it, it makes it easier. Mm -hmm. It makes it more delightful. Mm -hmm. It makes uh, it makes everybody it's the kind of attitude that makes everybody happy at the end of the day. And wow, what a show yesterday too! so much again, so much fun, so much comedy. Uh, we were treated to uh, Scarlet and Jackie Beat and Morgan and uh, Barbie, and they were all beautiful. Well, Jackie's not so beautiful, but shoot, she's funny as God, that, that gal is funny. Um, and I'm sorry, Jackie, but she's really not beautiful. She's not. But we can't all be beautiful. Nonetheless, it was a great day, and we hope to do it again soon. And if anybody has an inkling about doing anything like this, I strongly urge you to call me because uh, we'll want to talk about how to do it in the right, and the right people to do it with. And that's it. Let's, let's introduce our guest and let's get cooking. All righty. Well, she has quite the resume reading up mm -hmm. on her. Uh, she's led successful projects around the globe for such notable companies like the Rockefeller Foundation, Keurig, Green Mountain Coffee, Skoll World Forum. These are just a few, right? Um, and some of her previous pursuits in film and marketing include time with Fox Studios, Fox TV, the Sundance and Cannes Film Festival, and the Bud Greenspan Olympic Film Crew. She also developed the first ever interactive lounge at the 2000 Sundance Film Festival. And, you know, if that wasn't enough, she sits on the boards, kind of like you, Anthony, of many, you know, she sits on many boards. She created and founded Surefire Girls, as well as CEOU, which focuses on helping women start and scale businesses. So yay, female empowerment. Please welcome founder and president of the Caspian Agency, Heather Mason. Hello, Heather. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Good. Thank you for joining us. This is Alex. Hello. It's nice to Hi meet there. you. Nice to meet you too. So we, we had to do some reading on you to make sure that, you know, we, we could, you know, ask you some really interesting questions and get some okay. <laughs> interesting information from you. Um, All right. So I hope you don't mind that we sort of did a little, a little just a little digging. We didn't want to pry. We didn't just want to a little he calls it digging. I guess yeah. that was what I was going to say. I call it stalking. He calls it <laughs> digging. Just a little tiny bit. Friendly yeah. stalking. Friendly um, tomato, tomato. Stalking, digging. It's all the same. Yeah. All, at the end of the day, exactly. Especially in a court of law. I'm sure that's true, actually. <laughs> Not that I know. You would know because you watch Judge Judy. You would that's know. right. I do. I do watch a lot of Judge Judy. <laughs> Please don't tell anyone. <laughs> Just a little embarrassing. <laughs> So I'm, I'm so excited to talk to you. And, and just for the sake of um, transparency, I'm not pandering at all. Heather is my current uh, 
instructor at SDSU. <laughs> I'm yep. presently in her class right now. Yes. And I yes. promise you, this is not to try to get a better grade. This is to discuss what you bring to the industry, because I think what you bring to the industry is where everybody is headed and it's not well, quite there yet. That's my take. Well, you are very uh, kind and you're right. Flattery will get you everywhere. Well, thank you. Okay. This yes. podcast is over. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. My job's done. That's right. <laughs> no, no exactly. seriously, you are a strategist. You help companies define their event strategy and in so much realize their goals and objectives, right? So Correct. can you talk a little bit about how that differs from planning? <laughs> I, I would love to, um, because that is actually one of the terms that I would love to change in our entire industry. I would love to see the death and destruction and termination of that phrase event planning. But how do you really feel, Heather? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'd like to bury it myself. Um, yeah. Because I think it's too ubiquitous of a term. You know, we plan a vacation, we plan to go to the movies, we plan to make dinner. And yet we don't use professional terms like I surgeoned this weekend, I lawyered this weekend. And so the problem with our terminology is that it is ubiquitous. And I think if we turn it into something like project management or producer, will have less of that problem. And because there are more and more requirements on our industry to become more strategic, to become more of a, uh, a real partner with either our clients or in-house, and that leads to money. And I guess that's where at the bottom line, my, my problem with that term is that it takes away from the money from all of us. Um, and as uh, I like that you said that um, term, Anthony, because I really do see that our industry must be, can be, and absolutely should be required to be strategists. You know, we should not be order takers. We should be the ones telling a client when they have a problem, how do they want to apply an event, a convening, something to it, how they do that. And that should be our role, not theirs. One of the reasons why I went back to school, Heather, is because it's very hard to get clients to listen and I need better tools to get them to understand that I know what I'm talking about and this way will be better. And so to your point, exactly, we can't just be order takers because it just doesn't work that way. You know, you, you, it just doesn't. You, you have to be so much more. <laughs> we were just talking about this that this morning in our, in our uh, staff meeting about how you have to think ahead about everything. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's exhausting and it, it takes mm -hmm. mindfulness and, you know, the ability to do that. Mm -hmm. So you, would you call yourself a data strategist? You, you seem um, very comfortable with data. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do like data. Uh, actually, it's interesting. One of my jobs way back when was at a place called Showbiz Data which was the first entertainment information search engine on the internet. It was in 1999 okay. and it was all about the data in the movie industry. And if you could slice and dice the data appropriately, you would be able to tell folks at film markets. So let's say the American film market or uh, the Cannes film market, uh, how much a film would do, let's say in Argentina, if it had 
uh, Tom Cruise in it and mm -hmm. a lot of explosions. Mm -hmm. And so it was this really interesting data crunching uh, algorithmic uh, internet company, which at the time was really, really new. And really so- new. Yeah. Really new. Uh, I also worked at Broadstream, which was a streaming company that aimed to cross the last mile of streaming. So really old, uh, aging, aging me. But, but to your point, I've always liked data because it informs um, what decisions you can make next. And I have faced the exact same problem you do every day, every week, trying to convince clients that we can help them if they would only allow us. And a big part of that um, I'm finding as a tool for me in my business is through data. If we can get them to look at the data or if we can get access to their data, we can actually help them create events that they didn't even know that maybe they should create. You know, sometimes they're too close to it. But right. if, if we say, hey, look at, the, look at how you're trending with these different events. Look at which are your most important audience members, customers. Let's just do something for them. Why are you doing all this other stuff for these people when you really only need about 15% of your audience members to make one sale or, or whatever it is? Right, And right. that helps us diagnose the problem. So I guess that's where I've liked data is I'm like you. I have just gotten frustrated forever and thought, what are some tools that I could use? Anything to stop from, you know, the little pats on the head and the here, take our order. Right. Uh, you adorable little event planner. Oh, right. look, she she speaks. Oh, how how, how right. adorable. <laughs> now, now you you have to admit, we, there's been some graduation from a butt on a pat yes. on the butt to the pat on yeah, the head. Right, right. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And that's what you're getting in Hollywood. So you're right. At least we we yeah. progressed. We progressed. Yes, right. exactly. Yes. Now it's just patronizing rather than harassment. Right. So you're right. Yeah. Right. So so what do you do when a client, a prospective client, calls you? Mm -hmm. and doesn't have any data to share with you. And I assume when you say data, they're event data. Yes, yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Um, some of them don't. And so what we like to do is help them establish a benchmark because we'll say, let's at least start with some level of data. What are you trying to accomplish? Because most people want a change from the time customers, consumers, users, whatever they call their, their audience, attend the event from before to after. So let's at least do a pre-survey. And a lot of folks aren't even doing that. Some are, I mean, some are far more sophisticated than others, but if nothing else, we try to get that pre-event survey because frankly, that saves our butts. We can show that the event had some impact if we move the needle from how satisfied are you with your job, with the, you know, with this product, with this service, with uh, how connected to you are, are you with your fellow workers and then how connected would you like to be? And then afterwards, do you feel more connected? You know, are you happier, et cetera? So if nothing else, we wanna help establish a pattern. Um, and we also use that pre-event survey to get out content that maybe, what do you really wanna hear? What do you really wanna know? And then afterwards, did this content meet your needs? And usually what we wanna do is find out what those needs are. Cause I do think that's another trend in our industry of instead of Sage on the stage and our clients will tell their consumers, their customers, their employees, what they need to hear is instead ask them first. I, I think when you don't let mm -hmm. that crowdsourcing take place, people get pretty upset nowadays because you're assuming we know best. And at right. this point, assuming you know best backfires. 
So that's how we try to help people get at least some level of data if they don't have it to start with. It's basic, but it's something. And you've been doing this for on your own for 10 years? No, Seven, longer. 17, 17 years. 2005. 2005. And, and I... How- yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Talk to me <laughs> I, about that. Cause you know, we've both gone out on our own. So that's a journey. Oh man, it's a journey. Isn't yeah. it one that gives you scars and yes. and you look me at, you look back and ooh, yeah, those those hires you yeah. shouldn't have made. Yeah, the people yes. embezzled from you, stole from you, the clients that screamed at you. Yeah, mm-hmm. all the fun yeah. stories. All the fun things. All I'm the fun sorry. stories. I'm sorry yeah. to say that you have a bunch of fun stories too, but um, so- so many. Yeah. It's, it's like when you get sued the first time, that's always a good one too, to break you in. Uh, um, yeah. So yeah. I worked in the movie industry, which was good for honing my thick skin. And then I worked at Charles Schwab. Uh, well, I worked at the dot-com industry again, had good to get some thick, thick skin. skin. Right. Yes. And then worked at Charles Schwab financial industry. That's where I learned about the events industry. Um, and then I decided to strike out on my own $1,400 in the bank. Uh, and I don't, come from a family of money. I don't have relatives. I don't have many rich uncles out there. So it truly was, you know, it's, if I don't make it, then there's probably a nice box with my name on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had an application to Starbucks and Subway oh. and yeah, those were my backup plans. Your backups. Yeah. Oh, uh, so yeah. Uh, and paid my rent on a credit card for about three or four months. Uh-huh. Um, wow. the big risks. and the big risks. And yeah. I, um, I really wanted to go into working with companies or organizations that wanted to change the world for good, which of course everyone said would fail miserably. You know, you're not going to make it. You need to work with pharmaceuticals and financial companies. And I said, that's just not interesting to me. I don't want to do that. And I think I would have made a lot more money. Um, Maybe, maybe. Yeah, maybe. But um, I, you know, was lucky to get a really big foundation right at the beginning, Skull Foundation, Mm -hmm. and learned about social entrepreneurship and learned about that whole world. um, And that led to more in that same ilk. But I will tell you one thing that at the beginning, you certainly have no pride or dignity. And my first client, uh, very few people know this, was the U.S. Miss World Beauty Competition. Really? Yeah. If you know anything about me, you know that is exactly the opposite of everything in my entire body, what I stand for. <laughs> okay, so then how did you reconcile that? And especially when you're starting something new and you have maybe self-doubt, you know, you have that negative talk in your head and you're trying to combat that and you're doing something that is polar opposite to your core values. Yeah. How do you reconcile all that? How did you do that? That's very impressive. Yeah. No, I don't know if it's impressive so much as it was meant. <laughs> Uh, rent was very <laughs> primary in my mind. So I would love to say that I was lofty and uh, had all these principles, but it was truly rent. And, um, and, you know, I got to see what the, obviously these women went through a lot and they were very talented. It's just, I have, I have an issue with uh, judging women solely on their looks. Um, but uh, it was um, an interesting progression, and I didn't tell anybody that I was doing it, but I got paid, and it did help me pay rent another month or two. But I will say to your point about self-doubt, man, it made me think, if this is my future, I think I am going to go work at Starbucks or Subway. I can't in good conscience do this all the time when I know I run to really change the world, and this is not in my uh 
inside my yeah. value yeah, yeah mm -hmm. that it was that it was something that i believed in deeply so it there was a lot of self doubt and there was a lot of mistakes in pricing and that anthony is why i'm so interested in pricing because yes. i made so many mistakes in pricing i lost so much money that i could money. not afford to lose because I had no idea about profit margin. I had no idea about capital X expenditures. I was learning everything as I was going. And I feel like I stepped on every landmine possible. So well, I'm sorry that you had to learn that way, but you know what you're doing. So you learned. I mean, you you learned you learned the hard way, but you learned you learned. Yeah. The well, the bigger that, the ouch, right? The bigger the lesson. Yeah. That's a really interesting way of saying it. Yes, because that's exactly it. And I think the more I realized, uh-oh, I made a huge error, I would just seek out people and say, what did I do wrong? And they wouldn't even say I did a little wrong. They're like, wow, you are so lost. You are so lost. I would say, okay, well, how, how do I do this better next time? And every time was a, a new lesson and I would seek out someone else pretty desperately to say, I'm, I'm not making it. Um, I think I just fell in love with you. Yeah. I have to tell you <laughs> You're so nice. yeah. seriously, because you know, uh, that's vulnerability, you know, and it's authenticity. It's just like, okay, here I am. Help me, please. I'm, you know? Uh, yeah. Right. And the yeah. fact that you didn't let it stop you. Right. Right. Yeah. I yeah. think the only reason it didn't stop me is because I couldn't go back to work in an office. I wasn't good at it. I, you know, I, I don't know about folks out there or how your junior high experiences were, but mine were really awful, you know, really traumatic. And I just remember the mean girls and I had an office of mean girls and I thought, I can't do that. And I think that just propelled me. And that's actually why when I started hiring women at my firm, I'm like, everybody gets to work at home. Nobody's going to fight over a coffee cup. Nobody's going to get mad at each other for eating each other's lunches. Like, let's just all live a great life. And I tried to go about hiring people who I knew were friendly, were happy, wanted to see each other succeed. That, um, and we even instituted um, prizes. So you had to give prizes to each other on every phone call. And, you know, like Anthony, you'd, you'd give a prize to Alex and, and that'd be, a, and I would pay for it. $5, $10 Amazon gifts. And then you'd have to compliment him. And I'd give him a gift certificate because I thought I could never go back to those office buildings that I hated. So I love that. It's great that you're setting that tone too. Is it, mm -hmm. is it working? I'm assuming it's working for you. It's working. Yes. And, and when you have the occasional, uh Oh, I goofed. Yeah. Yes. Um, are you, are you pretty quick to sever the ties and move on? Or do you sort of wrangle with that? Ugh. Oh, I, I wrangle I, with it. I know. I know. I know that feeling. Better. I'm getting better. But I will say one of my biggest mistakes was probably 2014, 2015. And I kept a gal who was excellent project manager. I mean, I have to say, I think she was better than me. I think she'll be, she'll be better than I will probably ever be. She was that good. And she was mean. She was oh. mean. And I thought, you know, I can make this work. One of my biggest mistakes I think I've ever made, and it hurts me deeply because I made it and I made it and it affected other people really negatively because they had to put up with her. And I, I regret that. So to your point, Anthony, am I getting, I'm getting better, 
It's uh-huh. still hard. I still want to see the best in people. But I think that lesson really burned a brand into me that I can never allow somebody to be mean on my staff, even if they're competent. Right. And competent in an incredible way. This gal had so much talent, mm-hmm. but just angry and upset. And not- I really admire your outlook on that. That's awesome. I, uh, I, I can't lie. I, I was in the same situation, the same situation. I'm not really? that mean. No, yes, you are. <laughs> you are. No, this is way before Alex. Right, uh, right. <laughs> and, and it was really spoiling the soup and I didn't do anything about it. Cause I kept thinking competent, you know, really good, really, you know, all these other things. And it, I learned that this past year reading, you know, going through the, the leadership course, mm-hmm. you know, and, the, and really how, how detrimental it is to keep somebody who is bad mm-hmm. because, yeah. you know, you, you're right. You just said it, you're dealing with it, but how's everybody else feeling? They don't have the same footing. So it's right. a bit different. Yeah. Yeah. That's so hard. Um, so did you want to say something else? Cause I have another question. You go. Okay, good. Uh, this was an interesting thing that we found, and this goes back to Showbiz uh, Data Days. You created and produced the first ever interactive lounge at 2000, in 2000 at Sundance. Can you tell us what that was and what you did? <laughs> yeah, so that's actually a really good story. That's a fun story. Um, so when I left the movie industry, which I didn't want to do, you know, I had high hopes of being a movie producer in Hollywood. You know, a little gal from Idaho comes out and yay, does amazing movies and things and had watched Indiana Jones. And that was my favorite movie. And I was going to work with Spielberg. You know, that's adorable. I wish I could go back and pat my own self on the head. Um, and so that dream was not going to happen. And a buddy of mine said, you know, there's this, there's this thing called the Internet. I think it's going to be big. I was like, really? So went to work at Showbiz Data. And when I was there, my uh, CEO said, I want to launch at Sundance. And I said, wait a second, I know how to do that. Because I had started working at the Sundance Film Festival in 1993 as an intern for the Utah Film Commission when I went to Utah State. And that's when I got bit by the film bug. And every time I went there, I mean, I'd gone year after year after year. So it was six years running because I got hired in 1999 by Showbiz Data, I was like, there's no center to this festival. I mean, it's in Park City. And if you know Park City, it's got a little main street. It's adorable. But but everybody's just going and doing their own thing. And I thought mm-hmm. if you could create a center, everyone would collect there and they would talk. And so I'd wanted to do this. And I knew there was a big bar there named Terrios. And I thought if we could get that we could set up this massive like lounge with, you know, LED screens and, and uh, silver bubble walls and all these internet companies and we could really take over. So I, I cannot believe my boss. I was 27. So I was all full of, you know, vim and vigor and like, yeah, big ego, any, everything works, you know? And so I went to him and I said, let me try to raise the money for this. And this was in the, you know, internet days where you could raise a hundred thousand just by blinking. And let me get all these companies in there. And, and uh, a guy who worked with me, Neil and I, we partnered up and we got all these um, uh, sponsors from God Games to Yahoo, to communities.com, which was big back then, to Red Envelope, to eBay. We had them auctioning off celebrity items and we built in Harry O's bar, 
We even put uh, these Hitachi flat screens, which are still there today. Really? You can go see them. <laughs> of course. And we built a, a server uh, area in that place. And we even got satellites to move to cover our rim pagers. It was huge. I mean, it was obnoxiously, insanely internet 99 days wow. huge. Wow. And then my boss decided to partner with Entertainedom, which was Warner Brothers division. And the guy over there said, that's all stupid. You guys and your computer things are stupid. The only thing that's going to matter is concerts at night. And I said, no, 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 you don't know. I've been there. Concerts aren't a big deal. It's the day that's going to matter. But he got his, he got his win because he was a big deal. And so we had to remove everything I just told you about. 27 different computers, silver bubble walls, carpet, buildings, booths every night for, <laughs> for what, 14 nights and then rebuild it again at 5 a.m. every morning, every single day because of that guy, because he wanted to have concerts. So it was this crazy thing we did. Wow. We started moving trucks every single night. Good thing I was 27. I probably had three hours of sleep a night. But oh we got Lord. covered everywhere. So CNN came in, um, E! Entertainment TV. We were front page Hollywood Reporter, front page Variety, front page LA Calendar, Time, you know, New York Times. And Sundance was angry. And so they came in and I still remember, yeah, they came in and the guy <laughs> looked at me and, and he said, who told you you could do this? I said, well, you can't own a week. And it was kind of a big deal. It was, a, it was, yeah. And so Park City actually got together with Sundance and they made it, um, I don't know if it's a law or a uh, something where you can't do non-officially sponsored events on Main Street because right. of that. Isn't, isn't that interesting? Wow. You're the culprit. Yeah. I know. <laughs> That's really cool. <laughs> that is cool. That's yeah, really, really cool. cool. <laughs> it was crazy. But uh, yeah. It's a lot of power to wield at 27 years old. It was, well, Neil was my partner in this whole thing. And Neil has gone on to do incredible things. Um, so we were really a package deal. Uh, and I think because we were pretty much holding each other's hands, we, we kind of came through it. But uh, what yeah. gives you the, what, what gave you the chutzpah at, at 27 <laughs> to say, no, we need to do this. <laughs> you know, it's funny. You know, when you look back at yourself and you're like, why did I think I could do that? Like, I don't even know if I have that now. <laughs> Um, I think I was just, I wanted to do something big. And I think in the movie industry, I had been so beaten down and saddened by the fact that I worked so hard and none of it paid off because it just felt like you needed the right connections and the right people to notice you and the right this and that. And I think there was part of me that was just to hell with all of it. And I really like Sundance. Like Sundance is one of my favorite things to go to and to be at even to this day. But I thought at least I feel like this is going to work there. And if nothing else, I'm going to give it my, my shot. Because um, I didn't want to make them angry. That was never my goal. Of course but, not. Um, but you I just... think I just want to do something big. And right. I think when, I don't know, when you're 27, you're just like, I'm going to do crazy things. And it's funny because I think now at 49, I don't know if I would still be that crazy. I would probably have a little more hedging and like, well, let's think about this a little more. Mm. But I, I, I do. My impression of you is that you, um, you knock down walls where they don't belong. You know, like you just don't have an issue with saying, no, this is the way things should be. And with the data that gives you, you know, a little more even, you know, valid, confidence to have behind you to you know take that position i 
I, I think it's admirable. I don't see myself like that at all. I so I'm really? very, very oh yeah, I see. Uh, I'm I feel like I'm more of a you know rule follower and I don't like to you know upset the apple cart and I you know I'm learning a lot from you because it's very hard for me to say to clients no you shouldn't do it that way because in my history when I start doing that with clients they just go somewhere else you know they just don't want you know so I was like All right, I'm just going to play this game but yeah. but you have reinvigorated that in me because it's not fun it's not First of all, it's not the best it can be when you know it could be better mm -hmm. and you're sitting there watching something unfold and you just want to pull your hair out. And we're supposed to do that. We're, we're being paid as mm -hmm. experts. That's the way I always thought of it. You're paying me because I know more than you. So why don't you listen to what I have to say? Right, uh, exactly. Well, and that's where I think part of me is, because um, I would agree with you. I mean, it's not always easy. I don't always win when I'm like, I don't think you should do it that way. Sometimes they're like, you're not our person. You're not our our company. So, um, but what I found is using more of a questioning uh, aspect has really helped on that. Like who, who is your audience? Why, why do you think this is the best way to reach them? You know, what, what, why did you decide that that's your budget? You know, what, what goals did you want to reach with that budget? Would you increase that if I were to tell you that you could get X, Y, and Z? And so at least in my mind, that sometimes works, but not always. I mean, not always. And you're right. I don't know why, but there has been a streak in me forever that's been like, well, if that's not the right way to do it, then I'm going to say something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you, and you don't know why, right? It could just be somebody, somebody's just too lazy or doesn't want to change it or right. you know, human yeah. will is it's, you know, it's what it is. Right. Yeah. But, so true. So, so true. And, and when you started, the thing also about the course that we're in now that I wanted to bring up today is that although many of us are employed by companies that are in this curriculum, mm -hmm. uh, the class is being taught like, uh, like it's being, like it's for business owners because it's helping mm -hmm. us to right. strategize events and build financial models uh, mm -hmm. for events that, uh, could prove very valuable. This last lesson, by the way, I'm, I don't think I'm really quite finished with my Excel document, but my goal is to price out doing uh, public shows because that's something that I always thought would be interesting, right? Perfect. So, mm -hmm. so I thought, okay, this could be a good lesson in how to lay all the expenses out and what ticket revenue may be. And as I was thinking about it last night, I thought, oh, shoot, there's another there's another uh, variable in play here that I didn't realize. I can't do it right now, but I have to come back <laughs> to this variable. So it's mm -hmm. the things that you were saying as you were talking to me about building your financial models, it was happening to me. And I was feeling, I was really feeling invigorated by it because I could see, oh, wow, this is how this works. And this is how you form formulate this. And this is how you make it easy. And uh, wow. You're, I'm really starting to think more like a strategist and less like a planner. And I'm oh. sure that, that was your goal all along, right? Even though we don't always yes. get it right at first, yes. right? We're all like, <laughs> why are you doing this? What are <laughs> I know. I feel like part of my class is like a wax on, wax off. And people are like, why am I scrubbing <laughs> the floor? And I'm like, no, 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 no. If you scrub the floor, I promise you, we're not scrubbing the floor. I promise. Right, right, but right. I don't know if that's always the best way. Uh, Cause you know, 
Um, there's probably other uh, better ways to accomplish this, but that's exactly it. And I always think, even when you're internal, and maybe this is why I wasn't the best employee ever, is you can still create your own divisions and your own uh, business models within your company. And you're right, that's how I see it is, I don't take orders even when I was in a company. I'm like, well, that's not a good way to do it. Here, let's flip this on its head and let me restructure it back to you, vice president. And this is actually how I think we should do our nationwide events at Schwab. And this is how many people I think we should have. And I think it makes more sense. So you're right. <laughs> I've always been that person of like, well, let's just rethink it. And, right. and, and it really does when you start to flip those numbers, you can make a really good, logical, reasonable case that is not, uh, you know, being incendiary or being confrontational. But in my mind, it's trying to build a case that's very rational and saying, and I'm on your side. Mm -hmm. And I think the, the, the gift in that, that maybe is yet to be uh, realized is that's the kind of move position that gets people uh, accelerated and uh, excelling in their companies and gets them to heights that they didn't know possible. It's not just following orders. It's not just, and I, and I, we're all testament to that because a lot of us have been doing it for a very, very, very long time. And while we might like the tactics and the, and the, and the things that we have to do to make our work happen, who doesn't want to reach a higher level and who doesn't want to be challenged with new things and, and new responsibilities. Mm -hmm. So this is the way mm -hmm. this, this is the way, this is the way to make arguments yes. that stick and that yes. prove something mm -hmm. can be done differently. And that also uh, change minds. Yes, without, exactly. You know, you can't change a mind if you can't, we don't all have the balls to say, no, let's turn it on its head and do it this way, <laughs> right? Right, right? But we all have the ability to do a little digging and to do a little research and mm -hmm. to work some numbers to present a case. And that's exactly what you're teaching us to do. So it's not just a question of opinion. Right, right, right. exactly. And it's not just a question of instinct. Like, I think this event is going to work. It's like, no, I have some basis in why I think this event is going to work. And, and that's why this week or next week, uh, when we talk about total addressable market size, it's like if you have a grasp on how many potential customers are out there and of those customers, how many we think we can reach and of those of who we can reach, how many we think we're going to convert. Well, now you could legitimately say to a boss, hey, I'm only going for 5% of our serviceable, obtainable market. That is reasonable. You can't tell me that's not based in some sort of logic or rationale. And I've done my research to know that this persona has paid 50 bucks before. So to say that 5% that of them might not pay 50 bucks again is not out of the question. So my idea could work. You know, it doesn't mean it's guaranteed to work, but it could work. Right. And, and that's what I like. You're right about data, about numbers, and about our ability to create things from scratch. And this is also a little tangent where I get really excited, frankly, about the whole post-COVID era. I mean, no, it was not fun. No, none of us enjoyed it. But it 
fractured the ground to allow for us to see in multiple dimensions about how to organize personas and how to think about engagement, which was not possible before. And finally, we can start to have lead-in conversations to an event and post long tail uh, conversations about an event. Whereas before, I was arguing with clients all the time saying, why are you doing your one little event? And you're wondering why your whole staff is exhausted. They do it, and I call them cliffhanger events, and they drop off, and then you finally do it again next year, and you waste all of that all that momentum, momentum mm -hmm. that you had and you didn't you didn't capitalize on it now with virtual we can start to do breadcrumbs in we can do breadcrumbs out we can segment that live event to even capture and we just have to video it and create trailers and sizzle reels and small you know encapsulated pieces of content and learning modules i mean we now have an opportunity to capitalize on the ability to be seen as strategists more than any other time. And if we can learn how to do that and, and, and they want to know because they don't know how to do it, then I think we can finally rewrite from planner to producer and professional and the zeros that come with it. Right. And I don't want to go back. I'm not going back. I'm going no. forward. No, yeah. forward, only forward, <laughs> upward and onward, right? That's right. <laughs> no, I, 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 I totally, totally, totally agree with you. Uh, um, and that's why I'm honestly very happy to be in this course because, and did you know, by the way, that I would imagine you do, you're dovetailing beautifully from Shimo because- I hope so. Was, oh, for sure, because that oh, was good. definitely instinct uh, and data and that discussion and the importance mm -hmm. of data over instinct was a very big topic uh, right at the very beginning of Shima's course. So it's it's really nice that you're carrying the same message forward. It feels that's good. good. It fits great. It's, there's alignment there. And I'm glad, glad to that's be experiencing great. it. Definitely. Awesome. Um, Even though I know she hates pie charts, which I think is funny. I know. I know. Yes. Yeah, she, <laughs> she wasn't a fan of pie charts for sure. But you're right. They can show some things pretty easily. <laughs> Everything has a reason. Everything has a yep, reason, right? And a place. That's right. Yep. So you also talk about something uh, in our class um, and that I've experienced myself, and that is the connection between events and marketing. Mm -hmm. And you came from marketing, right? I think you started mm -hmm. in marketing. Yes. Yep, I um, did. And could you just sort of just add a little color to that and, and mm -hmm. what maybe planners can be thinking about when? Yeah, I mean, and that? that's a... Yeah, that's exactly where my journey came from, is I went from marketing to events, as opposed to vice versa. Um, and when I was, that that was my job at Showbiz Data was head of marketing, and then I was head of marketing at Broadstream. Um, and then I went into events, and I was surprised we were separated from the marketing department. And that actually was a surprise to me, because I thought, well, wait a second, we are part and parcel. And I remember that the marketing department, and this was just one organization, so this isn't every organization, uh, kind of treated us as below them. And I also thought that was odd because I thought, well, wait a second, we're both dealing with personas. We're both dealing with audience mix. We're both looking at what are the tactics that make these individuals move towards a purchase, loyalty, a membership, a subscription, whatever we're trying to do. So we're doing the same thing. We have a tool in our toolkit that is arguably, if you look at the data, 
<laughs> more convincing and more effective than their brochures and emails will be any day. So wait a minute, <laughs> we should be on very equal footing. And we weren't at this particular uh, place. We were definitely under the marketing department. And so that is why, particularly now with COVID, I'm like, oh, no, hell no. Oh, hell no. And not again, not every department is like this. Not every company is like this. But I see this as, in, as a true blending as we're getting into virtual where the line is going to be far more blurred between what marketing and events are because of the, long, of the lead up, the ramp that will go in towards a live event and the long tail out because you have got to be looking at how you're parsing your audience, how you're communicating with your audience, um, what kind of incentives you're giving your audience, what kind of data collection you're doing with your audience. So registration is going to be as much a marketing play on the incoming as the outgoing, and then also creating these assets from your on-site experience, whether it is synchronous, hybrid, or asynchronous, you're going to creating packages that will then go to these people afterwards. So there has to be complete alignment. And part of the reason I'm also interested, little chip on my shoulder, they always got paid more than us. Yes. <laughs> like a lot more than us. Yes, I, not said, a tiny I believe they bit still do. Yes. I think they do too. So that's a little yes. chip. I'll just acknowledge, little, right. little divot, little divot sitting here. <laughs> yeah. That I'm like, wait a darn uh -huh. second uh -huh. here, people. Hey, kiddos. Uh-huh. And they don't, oh. have to, they don't have to deal with half of the people. <laughs> oh, no. And the best part about a marketer that I get jealous of when they're like, our job is just as hard. I'm like, really? Mm. Have you ever pushed a deadline? Right. And they're like, oh, well, yeah, we couldn't launch that. I'm like, oh, couldn't launch that. Do you know what we have to deal with? There's 500 people out this damn door that we have to let in right now. We can't be like, we're just going to push that deadline. Right. Can you come back right. next week? We're just right. going to push that. Right. <laughs> Can you stay in the hotel another week while we push our right. deadline right. to launch and, our event? And try not to remember that we did that too, by the way, <laughs> while you're at it. <laughs> Do you have to feed people and watch them complain about food in your face? Right. Yeah. Right. Uh huh. I'm sorry. You had a typo in an email. Your pain is right. not my pain. Your pain is it's not true. my pain. <laughs> and, and if you think and if you think about it, you help them a lot because yeah. you give them yeah. store. You give them stories. We give them content. You give mm -hmm. them content. We give them content. That's right. And we interact with the customers. We actually know flesh and blood what their customers feel like. Mm -hmm. Not just, you know, clicking on a survey bloop, in the radio button. So, yeah. Yeah, there is a little bit more of a chip on my shoulder. Do marketers listen to this podcast? Uh-oh. Well, I hope so, because they need to learn. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, we're going to have to have a, a marketing an event off. Who has the most pain? <laughs> the little ouch versus the big ouch. That's right. I can, that's I can right. tell you already it's Judge Judy. It's Judge Judy. <laughs> That's definitely what she would say. <laughs> you you want pain for harassment? Who I'm the one who's harassed you. That's right. That's right. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so so what is your next project? What do you or what are you working on now? Uh, can you share any any of that with us? Um, I think I can. Yeah, some of them we can't say our clients, but one really interesting thing I can talk about that I've never had before as a project is I'm consulting with an organization that is opening a venue and um, helping them, yes, helping them figure out what kind of staffing requirements they have, what kind of intake forms 
they need for this venue, um, how they're going to prioritize who gets to use the venue. Um, and it is really fun because the way I see it is I get to undo all the pain that I have had in working with um, raw venues. This is not a hotel, it's a raw venue. And especially for some of the people that work there, it is very fun to be their advocate because they're thinking it's going to be understaffed. And I'm like, oh, not on my watch, my friends, <laughs> not on my watch. <laughs> so they love it because they're like, well, we've only been told that maybe one person. I'm like, oh, hell no. I'm putting together an org chart of five. And you know, we'll see if that works. But again, right. making the case with data, right. it's not an opinion. It's not Heather's little idea of too many people run a, run a venue. Right. It's actually based on data. How many hours approximately does it take to work on a, you know, with a client back and forth potentially, and then how many people and how many whoopsie daisies and how many emergencies and how many holidays. And, and so using data, we can start to extrapolate what kind of a, um, you know, what kind of a, a system and what kind of a staff you need. And I, my other big mission here is that I don't believe event people should be made or forced to run around and be crazy. Right. Right. We should get to have a quality of life. And right. so it's kind of a fun project because I'm going to see if I can do that for this particular venue. I, I'm curious yeah. to know how this comes out. I have definitely <laughs> been on those events where the client has complained about too much staff and I hear it more than once. And, um, and so there's always a real a felt pressure to scale back and not have too mm -hmm. many people. And then you're right. Everybody runs crazy and is up at 5 a.m. and doesn't go to bed until midnight. And right. you know, if they go to bed at all um, and it's not healthy or mm -hmm. or good for anyone, you know, it no. really doesn't help anybody. No, so thank you for that. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I, I think that's the part, you know, because with technology, we're taught to believe everything should be faster. Yes. But people are still people and decisions right. come when they come, right? And yeah, right. And and you cannot make somebody run around all the time and they need to pee and they need to eat. Right. And that is okay. Right. And that is right. sane. And that is good. Right. And I feel like, you know, for a lot of our events, at least, I get to use a little bit of guilt because I always get to say we cannot be beholden to a different standard behind the curtain than what you're talking about in front of the curtain. Amen. So if what we're talking Love about that. is well-being, if what we're talking about is we need our you know, staff to be this, if what we're talking about is we want a world that is this, that, and the other, then don't you say mm -hmm. behind the curtain that my staff needs to run rampant, to not be paid at parity, you know, and we make sure we are, and I've had to argue that quite a bit, um, and to also say that we need to somehow slim down and run ourselves rampant and that is somehow doing good in the world and putting out good in the world because it's not, it's perpetuating more bad. It's perpetuating more negative. And I can't tell you exactly some of the particular events we've worked on where that has become very ironic. And I have had, I haven't pulled back from pointing out the irony because I'm getting old and tired and I'm done with yes, it. Yes, yes. <laughs> That's what happens when it. you get older and tired or you get to <laughs> more and yeah. more, yeah. 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 So you're, no, I, I thank you for being an advocate. Mm -hmm. You're you're 100 yes. right. When I started in this business, uh, I started as an entertainer, mm -hmm. and I started with a company, and I had a boss who would make us go out there and entertain and dance for hours without mm -hmm. a break. You know, you yeah. could come in and get a drink of water, and then you had to go 
So, and then I remember leading crews and having mm -hmm. to say to clients, no, you have to feed the crew. They <laughs> leave the spot. <laughs> They must right. be fed, you know. Right. Like there's exactly. all of those long, drawn-out arguments about, you know, or it's like bringing in a pizza because God, they won't listen, and these people, mm -hmm. you know, all of that stuff. Yeah. So, it's, and I will say we're lucky because for the most part, we've cleansed out over the years any of yes. those clients. Right. Right yes. now, our client base is awesome. So anything I'm talking about is past. We have an excellent, excellent client base right now. Good for but you. But I will yeah. say, yeah, because we've 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 gotten. I mean, but it took 17 years to get here. It's not like you do that in your first year. Um, but the one thing that I will say about the events industry and that I tell all my staff is even if the client won't accept it, a properly staffed event is one where I see one person sitting bored. If I don't see that, I get mad at my staff and I say, you did not staff appropriately because we are not ready for an emergency. And that means we're going to run around. And at Caspian, we do not run around. I do not like running around. I don't like the way it looks. I don't want to get sweaty in my suit. It's icky and it makes us look silly. So I will even pay out of pocket for, and this is more task rabbit event right. staff. It's not a manager. Right. We can't afford right. a manager level. Right, but, but you have we a body. Wanna see, we have yeah. a body. We want to have one or two that they're a little bored and maybe all they're doing is packing up or inventorying things. But then I know we're okay because right. now if something crazy happens and a speaker doesn't get their luggage in, we've got somebody who can run and get it. And again, I think this only comes after 17 years. But to me, this is what our entire industry should be fighting for, is what's a properly resourced event look like? And a properly resourced event look like should be all of us fighting for nobody's running around and that there's not a statement of, oh, yeah, we stayed up late because it's night for our event. We should all be like, no, 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 we don't do that. No. <laughs> we go to bed, we go to bed. <laughs> and I don't know if that'll change in a generation, maybe two, but maybe if we're aiming for it, maybe three. Um, but I think just accepting it is not where I want to go with that because I don't like seeing my staff tired and sad and like on the verge of tears. It actually hurts my heart and it makes me upset. And it hurts your business because mm -hmm. yeah. those people want yeah. to go. They're done. It's tiring. They love you. I love you, Heather. You're great to work with, but I can't deal with it anymore. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, like to it's totally true. You get burned out. And I have had, I have a couple of staff right now on vacation this summer saying that exact thing. Mm -hmm. And I agree with them. And that's the worst part is I do agree with them. Like, Heather, I'd love to do it, but I'm just tired. Like, uh, and I think, that's not I think good. We, I think we have a little bit of that going on now too in our own office. Just some, some, uh, and we love our clients, but right, some of right. them are sort of just tiptoeing over the line a bit and pushing right. back a bit. And, you know, it's getting a bit frustrating because, yeah. you know. Right, yeah. We're Exactly. Where, where where did all the uh, reasonableness go? Can't we just be reasonable? <laughs> exactly right, you know? right. Well, and it's like uh, just give us a break for a second, you know. And know if right. we're not running around every five seconds, don't worry, you are not wasting money. Right. Don't worry. Don't right. worry. When I go to the grocery store and I see a checker maybe sitting on a stool for a minute, I don't go. Oh my groceries you know right, let right. the person sit right. let him sit for a minute <laughs> although i might have to use that expression now and but in this way oh my budget <laughs> exactly oh heavens clutch my, my clutch my, 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 my budget right my poor budget <laughs> a poor uh, budget <laughs>
No, and I, I love what um, you have to say about budgets. We could go on about that. Oh um, yeah, because I've I've you know been straddled by them too. Uh, mm -hmm. So so thank you for that. But I'm being okay. told we have to stop. We have to like yes. move on, but we can't let yes. you go so quickly. Okay. Because we, All right. We have a little game that we like to play every now and then. Okay. With people that we like, and I'm just gonna throw <laughs> ten this or that's at you, and you'll have to say which of the two you like better. Okay. Um, and I'll give you, we'll give you two uh, little uh, 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 caveats there. The first okay. is you can say, oh, I wouldn't like either of them once. And you can say, okay. oh, both of them once. Okay. Okay. All right. Ten of them. Okay. You Got ready? Okay. Let's do that. Okay. Okay. Early morning or late night? Late night. Really? I was curious about that. <laughs> Fallon or Kimmel? Oh, uh, Fallon. Mm. He's much better. Virtual or live? Live. And we didn't even talk at all about virtual or live. Yes, live. Uh, Manhattan or Martini? Ooh, Manhattan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A, a long run or a fast pedal? Oh, fast pedal. Do, I'm I'm assuming you work out. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of. I'm a sprinter. Too. I'm a sprinter. I'm a soccer player. I'm two and a half miles. I'm done. I try to run as fast as possible and then I want to stop. Then you want to stop, but you do it. But you I, do well, it. Well, yeah, I do it. I hate it. You put a ball in front of me, I'll love it. Really? <laughs> you need something to keep the mind moving. That's right. Off That's right. of the mundane. That's right. Comedy or drama? Comedy. Winston or Campbell? Ooh. Uh, <laughs> both. There you go. <laughs> you played that exceedingly well. Yep. Yep. Not going to step in that one. Nope. <laughs> uh, teaching or producing? Oh, producing. Yeah. Kittens or puppies? Oh, man. <laughs> Am I already said both? Uh, puppies. I know, right? Puppies. It's you love the one you're with in that case, I think. That's right. That's okay. right. And then lastly, fancy or casual. Mm. Oh man. Um, I'm gonna say fancy because I've been casual for two and a half years. Uh, but normally I would say casual because I've been fancy before. But after right. being after being casual for two and a half years, I think it's probably time to, you know, get out of the um you know, uh, casual pants, and maybe mm -hmm. I should actually put on a skirt at some point in time. Zhuzh it up a bit. I should zhuzh it up yeah, a bit. Yeah, maybe yeah, actually, yeah. maybe actually do the hair instead of just hygienic as my style. Which is oh well, hy hygienic is good though. It's better that's, than that's a good thing. That's the bar. That's not okay. hygienic. Yes, the, the bar is low. That's really my <laughs> style right now. <laughs> well, not in some areas of the country. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> You're you're Saturday night lush right now in some areas. <laughs> exactly. so. That's right. Exactly. That's right. Actually, well, I'm from Idaho originally. Whenever I go back, I'm like, wow, uh, I can be fancy here right now today. <laughs> Just like I am. <laughs> Just like I am in a hoodie. And you know what? I have shoes on. So there we go. There you go. And well, but, but and pants. <laughs> Or just yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's an extra bonus, and I can make fun of that because I actually am from Idaho. So, <laughs> I uh, I've never been to Idaho. It's the one oh, one haven't? of the very few states I haven't been to yet. 
So, well, yeah. Not, well, Boise is becoming very cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, Boise is becoming very cool. I'm actually from Idaho Falls. I don't think we're quite as cool, um, but we're getting there. I think we now have one microbrewery. Oh. And uh, uh, more than one coffee shop. So we're going up. I think we closed the mall, but uh, um, I'm not sure. Malls so, are closing yeah. everywhere. That I doesn't know, mean anything. I no, yeah. I know, but that was the fanciest place we had. So oh, the mall. <laughs> My favorite saying when the I mall. lived in Seattle, because I was there for four years with yeah. Northwest Beautiful. <laughs> and that's when my neighbor came up and he started talking and I was digging in the dirt and I was planning nice. stuff and I looked horrible. And he goes, Oh no, Alex, you're Northwest beautiful. That's how we like them here. I put on makeup one morning and my dad's like, where are you going? And I go, I just, I just want to look nice. Now you're not going anywhere. So you don't need all that, all that. I'm like, dad, I just like, you know, put on lipstick and, and maybe drew in my fading eyebrows. Like that was it. That was all I did. That's the limit. That's too much. <laughs> so, yeah. It's not a Saturday night lush kind of kind of day. <laughs> right. exactly. Take hey. that off your face. Bro, what are you doing? What are you, tra- who are you, tra- what are you trying to prove here? Right. You, know? <laughs> you with your highfalutin makeup. Yeah, your highfalutin pencil. Darn your eyebrows. Yeah, right. You know, you think you want to be the only one with the eyebrows around here? Uh-huh. Yeah. You put those away. You put those away. <laughs> They're illegal. They're still illegal in a couple of states, just so you know. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Which is, and then I have to turn it around when I come and visit my friends now in LA, which you know, right. they're like, what, what did you yeah, right, I mean, right. going out to happy hour? It's did like, you hit what? a truck? Right. <laughs> honey, honey, what is this? What is this? Do we need to make a stop at Sephora right. on the way? Right. Like right. we're going to happy hour. Maybe you didn't understand us. Right. We're going to see other humans. You know, it's a totally different world. <laughs> Completely different. <laughs> Well, you fit in everywhere. Yeah. That's what's important. Yeah, that's you right. can that's make right. it work. That's right. <laughs> Thank you for taking time with us today. Thank you for joining us. I'll, I won't see you on Thursday because I'm going to be in Louisville this Thursday. Oh, that's Woo! awesome. Louisville. 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 With the Louisville. American Dental Hygienist Association. They that are amazing. Uh, they're fun. They they're are fun. fun. They are yes, fun. They are. They are. And their teeth shine. That's mm-hmm. good. Well, they that got some good. Fun. They all have nice smiles. That's right. I bet they do. And good breath. That's. They know what. That's pleasant. That's very pleasant. It's very pleasant. <laughs> it's just. Like, <laughs> it's one of those things you don't think about until you're there and you realize. No. Oh, a whole crowd of pleasant smelling people is really. Yes. That's hard right? to come by. That's a rare thing. You know that should be a little tagline. Hi, we all smell pleasant. I like that. Yeah. Now I could I go like with that. that. Well, I can hang out with those people. As opposed to the <laughs> lady porta potty owners that are going to be in San Diego in October. <laughs> and they were and they were looking for a speaker. They don't smell to, pleasant. <laughs> no. <laughs> Only they don't seem to really want to face it with humor, you know? Oh, really? Yeah, How do yeah. you work in that industry? I don't face it with humor. <laughs> I mean, come on. I would face it with so much humor. I would have the lanyards being like a toilet seat. And, of I course. Mean, on, you know, the poop emoji. Yes. Signals, yes. You know, like, oh. Yes. Like, oh. It makes others laughing at you so much more fun when you're laughing at yourself as well. Yeah, well it's plus, a shitty bet, business. It's a shitty business. <laughs> and I bet they make a lot of money. And that's why it's funny. It's like, we yeah. make so much more money than you. You might make fun of us. You know how much money we have? We have a lot of money. You know, everybody, everybody poops. Everybody, everybody poops. poops. Should, be, everybody. should be there 
their book, you know, bookstore. Everybody right. We and give not, away to clients to remind right. them of the value that we provide. Exactly. I don't I think, think of that. I, I totally would be too. And <laughs> I, I think it's a big mess. A huge mess. I think it mess, is too. I right? would agree. Well, I would agree. Maybe next time I'll have you come with me when we present. I would totally be up for that. And you know, to be honest with you, when they said, well, when I got the feeling that they were not into that at all, I thought, oh, I don't even want to work with them now because what do you do with that? No, it's going to be some serious story about sanitation or something. And it's going to be like, I'm sorry, I would giggle the entire time. I would be a horrible person. I'd be like, well, let's let's see how that smells you know i mean you just yeah i would yeah did someone just fart yeah exactly right (laughs) let's have scratch and sniff stickers right right. i just i would be horrible you have a survey gauging on how much water everybody drank by the color of their (laughs) feet Oh my gosh. I would have far too much fun. Okay, yeah, I, yeah, I couldn't pitch them. I couldn't pitch them. <laughs> nope. nope, would not well, work. Well, then we'll have to. We'll talk about this even more than another mm-hmm. time. Uh, All right, sounds good. Sounds we, we, good. We love poop jokes. <laughs> Who just, doesn't? I mean, I'm a 12 year old boy at heart. I'm just saying. I was going to say right here. Fart jokes right and here. poop jokes they're, all day long. You know what? Yes. They never are not funny. They're and never the not people, funny. They're never not funny. Everybody likes it anyway. You know, you know who doesn't? Are the people who can't poop? They're the oh, only that's people true. who don't. You're like right, the jokes. and then it's not. Yeah, then it's not it's, fun. Right, then it's so, not fun. So you that, need to combine those as a barnacle event. You know, the <laughs> you just put those together, and that'd be great. Because you know? <laughs> once we solve one problem, we right. can we can <laughs> fix the other right. one. <laughs> All done here. All done here. Everybody's happy. Everybody's, Everybody's happy. happy. Mm-hmm. Isn't she beautiful? She is adorable and beautiful and funny and smart and chutzpah and talented. Yeah. I think I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'll start her fan club if she doesn't already have one. Yeah. I feel the same way. She's um, it's been, um, it's been sort of a hard road for the class and it does, it's hard because, you know, we're not in person. And so sometimes there's not a lot of clarity and also a lot of us, second guess ourselves you know we think we know what we're mm-hmm. supposed to do and then we we you know second guess and so it's it's a little at times it's difficult mm-hmm. but again the curriculum is great and the lessons are absolutely applicable and i i'm sorry to say to you but you probably have to deal with some of my lessons as well <laughs> created some new costing sheets okay that's okay that's and, all good uh, I'm sure that's not hard, you know. No, it should make it should make it easier. Yeah, that's the well, whole then there yeah. you go. There you go. That's the hope. Uh, I am a little bummed. I wanted to ask her a question, so I'm hoping we have her back someday because I really wanted to talk to her. We just ran out of time um, about her work with Surefire Girls because, yeah. So we we'll have to have her back. We will have her back because there were also the the ten essentials that we didn't get to that I wanted yes, to yes, yeah. I was curious about that too pop into a little bit it is it is um it's her own uh trademarked proprietary methodology but maybe she would have been willing to share a tad or two about it okay. uh a well taste. that's it yeah. a taste a little a, a morsel a little taste i could go back taste. to the poop jokes right now but i won't just out of good taste <laughs> okay i, I did hear won't. i did hear quite a few poop jokes this this weekend being with um you know uh, straight talk with Ross and then the bubbly brunch. There were quite a few. 
poop jokes. And um, there was a very cute little poop joke from a few weeks ago because I went to a friend's house in LA. It was his birthday and he has three adorable little girls. They're so adorable. And they just put in a pool. And I guess, I guess the youngest one had a little poopy accident in the pool. And none of us were in the pool, the adults, but we saw the scurry of action activity. And then we saw the three girls run away from the pool. One of them wasn't looking so happy. And that's when it came to us that one of them had pooped in the pool. When it came to time to sing happy birthday, the birthday boy's brother-in-law started singing party pooper. It's so stupid. But it's funny. Every party has a pooper. That's why we invited you. Party, party pooper. <laughs> oh my God. All right, that's it. All right, we got to right. go. We do. Hey, if you've enjoyed listening to us and you too like poop jokes, please <laughs> give us five stars. How about a star for each poop joke? There you go. We'll go there. We'll give you five poop jokes if you give us five stars. I have Guaranteed. a million of them. I got a million of them. Uh, and also, if you want to leave us a question or a concern or a quote or something really fabulous, something that'll elucidate us, do so at bolada.com. Look for the podcast tab and leave your comment or question in the little box. Uh, that's it for us today. Please tell your friends about us. Keep listening. And say goodbye. 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 Stay engaging. <laughs> <laughs>